It's the Brian and Matt Show. Matt's got a mullet. Brian's got a big-ass beard. You can pull it. It's the Brian and Matt Show. With all things insurance and random tomfoolery. The Brian and Matt Show. Well, welcome what is to... Up? You're doing it this time, or am I doing <laughs> I it this time? I took it over. I stole it. I stole it from you. <laughs> welcome to this edition of the Matt and Brian Show, which has Brian been... Brian and Matt. Brian and Matt. <sighs> It's the Brian and Matt show again. This is like our fifth time I've talked about this in the last, you know, couple weeks, but I was removed from top dog and now I'm just, you know, who's, what was Goose's technical name where he sat in the freaking back and did freaking nothing but look around. I went from Maverick to Goose and I love Goose, but I took a, yeah, Goose dies one, two, I took a significant step back and, you know, ego by being the freaking second name. Yeah, you'll get over it one of these days. I don't think so. So welcome to the Matt and Brian Show. Um, it's the Brian and Matt Show. My name is Matt Hahn. This is Brian Blair. We are joined today with the one and only Michael McCormick and the one and only CJ Hudson Pillar. And I did practice pronouncing that last name correctly. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed by, it. By the way, I, I do have a, I do have a question. How did you get the Dwight bobblehead behind you to nod along to your theme song? That was a, that was an impressive thing that you did. It's on a fishing Auto- string. Automation. That's how. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, Brian and I are also insurance agents. Uh, CJ Hudson Pillar is also an agent out in Tennessee. Um, Michael McCormick is no longer an agent. I like to rub it in his face sometimes, but he is the owner and founder of the, um, of insurance. Were you a founder of insurance soup or did you come in after? He is, he is the soup. What are you talking about? He is the soup. Michael McCormick from insurance soup, CAC, Taco Bot, CIA, and God knows what agency elephant and God knows what else. He has too many things in his hat for me to remember them all. He probably owns part of Legoland. He probably does now. He probably owns a lot. How much money did you spend on Legos though? Zero. (laughs) Really? That's impressive. I invested oh. a, Dude, invested a single dollar on a single Lego, but uh, when we when we first got to the resort, uh, there was like this big, big castle structure inside the inside the hotel, and like there were all these kids running around with uh, with these swords and shields and everything. You know, I look inside the uh, I look inside the gift shop, and I realized they're selling these uh, these Ninjago like foam weapons, and I I did I did wind up getting banged for uh, two swords and a shield. There you go. It seems on brand for you, though. Yeah, yeah it does. <laughs> how, how many Hutt. are for you? How many are for you, though? Are Zero there... work for me. Oh, Zero okay. work for me. But I, I have... I have uh, <laughs> I have engaged in a couple of sword fights with my uh, with my son since purchasing them. So there you go. And also CJ Hudson Pillar, uh, founder and owner of Taco Bot, owner of Taco Bot, also uh, partner over at the Collective CAC. Um, and so we wanted to bring them on. And the, what we're going to go over today is talk about all things lead gen, talk about all things um, prospecting, marketing lead gen, maybe dive into chat bots a little bit on a surface level. Um, because believe it or not, we're going to believe we're going to bring CJ back on to really dive into chat bots at another podcast. Um, so welcome. Welcome. I know Michael McCormick's thinking of, you know, getting into the Lego space. Uh, CJ, are you planning on getting into any other weird niches besides, you know, horse 
They're not even. I'm gonna call them horse nurseries, but it's a farm. It's <laughs> not a thing. <laughs> horse nurseries is not the proper term. CJ's bought more horses. Matt than just I Matt just seen. totally showed his California. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, look at his shirt and look at his stickers on his on his microphone booth. Whoa, saw like, dude that Miller Light. He's the kid with the skateboard, 12 years old, putting stickers all over the bottom and oh, has yeah. no scratches on it because he can't yeah. do rail slides. And Hell, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so any other uh, outside of, um, what is it, Holly Farms? What is the farms that you run? for? Uh, Hickory Hill Farm. Hickory yeah. Hill Farms. And what do you guys do over there? So, so my wife actually founded that and we've taken a step back on it. So we're not as active as we used to be, but it's essentially an equine and livestock rescue. So they work with law enforcement. Um, so when there's neglect uh, of an equine animal, um, law enforcement will call them and they'll actually go in and help law enforcement seize that animal. Um, and then they will rehab it and rehome it if possible. That's wow. awesome. That's awesome, man. That's really cool. Yeah. I've seen a lot of the horses that you guys have nursed back to health and seen all the history and all the check-ins are really cool that I, when I see them, all the check-ins on the horses are, are pretty cool to see how healthy I think CJ tried to give one of his wife's horses away to someone at soup live. If I remember correctly. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we have, we have plenty of them. So uh, these are, you know, our personal horses are always for sale. You know? <laughs> Not really. He tried to Not sell really. me a horse they, uh, for my they're, kids. They're parts of the family. You can't do that. He tried yeah. to sell me a horse at one point for our kids. And I was like, I don't need a freaking horse. And I asked the kids, where would you keep the horse? They're like, oh, we'll keep it inside. And I'm like, God, you guys, you guys, freaking guys. <laughs> no, CJ, you know, getting to meet you in at Soup Live and, and then getting to hear you speak on stage. I think it was the second day. Um, very impressive. Um with your with your skills and knowledge that you have um yeah man like it's been it was cool to meet you just in person just because we've only seen each other usually in this atmosphere yeah for sure you know i guess to to get rolling into the into the actual content before we waste the entire podcast shooting the shit um i see a lot of really bad advice around lead gen in other groups like some like i think i sent you guys something from yesterday or the day before yeah, you did um yeah like how much of the advice that you see getting thrown out there for agents you know and everyone's human nature is to help right like i want to help you but i'm going to give you advice that i know shit about to feel good about myself helping you and it could end up hurting you like how much of the how much of the advice on marketing and lead gen for insurance agents do you look at and just kind of like shake your head and roll your eyes? Oh, this is going to be fun. I'm going to let Mike go first because I have a lot to say on this one. Wow. wow. I was, uh, I was going to do the age before beauty thing. Um, <laughs> I think you got that backwards, man. buddy. Uh, you know, Well, that's the podcast, guys. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> well, it's hard. I mean, we see it all the time. I mean, you know, we you do. have like, I give advice. For example, we we're just, we did a podcast previously with Christy Burzak. She's an incredible agent that's doing amazing things and giveaways and probably generating one of the, has generated some of the most successful giveaways I've seen with 2,500 entries into their giveaway. Um, has a very, very strong process, but I give advice on giveaways all the time. And it's typically from an automation side advice where I have a little bit of a leg to stand on. But when it comes to specific activities, or I can talk about processes on giveaways all day long, but 
I don't actually run giveaways in my agency. I don't run. And so I always try to be very careful on my advice I give because I don't want to be that agent um, that is giving advice on something I have zero experience in. And we see that all the time in a lot of groups. And how does that make you two feel seeing like, you know, in all the groups you're involved in, whether they're, you know, incognito accounts or not, what is, what does that advice look like to you? Uh, yeah. Go, go ahead, Mike. I, I was, I was about to dive we, in. On we, that. we are kicking off this episode with like some of the most awkward answers. To, I know to it's so bad. Like who <laughs> are this? Is, this is, this is the trust tree. You're in a safe no, space. You can no, you speak know what in your is. mind. You know what it is like, uh, you know, you go back a couple of years when I was a little bit less uh, discerning about, you know, with my words a little bit, uh, particularly online, you know, I would, I would be pretty quick to, to judgment with, with people and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, to, to, you know, your point, um, you know, Matt, uh, you know, uh, you know or, or, or Brian, uh, you know, people are looking to, to just be helpful and they are looking for that, you know, that, that dopamine hit. And I don't really think that in most circumstances that people are doing anything with any kind of malintent, they're doing it with a, you know, with, with a good heart. Uh, I, I mean, CJ, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm throwing out a statistic that I am, I am doing some random polling in the back of my brain on right now. This has got absolutely no science behind it whatsoever. I love this. It is, but like, like you should see the way the bars are going up and down in the back. You have bars uh, in the back of your head. That's what you're yeah, going with. And, and the, the polling, it's almost complete. It's done. I would say 93% of all agents that chime in on lead gen have had less than two successful lead gen campaigns total with, with, with 85 to 90% of that 93% having zero. Okay. CJ, so, what's your thoughts so on that? Yeah. So I think... Uh, a lot of times I think people lack context. Like you don't know what you don't know. And when you chime in on those posts, like, like Mike said, you know, you're doing it with, with good intent and you actually think that what you're saying is, is good. Um, and, and I think that comes from, you know, not to lead into the collective too much, but like, you know, one of the reasons that we have the collective is, you know, you're able to bounce your ideas off other people that are doing it, which gives you context of like, it, am I doing a good job? Let me got, give you guys an example that happened to me. I actually did a little bit of consulting work with a mortgage company in my area and they were showing me their lead campaigns. They were, they were awful, um, but they were, they were generating leads for like $71 a piece. Okay. And these are purchasing I leads that, or I went, sales Whoa. leads? <laughs> I was like, what, dude, that is way too high. In their mind, they didn't have the context of me being able to generate leads for a dollar, two dollars, five dollars, whatever. And to them, that was great. And the numbers worked. So they so they ran with it. Now, once I showed them, hey, look, let's try and make this tweak and that tweak and this tweak and see if it doesn't bring our costs down. And it did, then their eyes were kind of open to, okay. While I thought that was good, there's actually a better way. And that was kind of, that kind of leads in, into that. So I, I just think it, it's, it's lack of 
they don't have a, a barometer to really gauge that against. It's like, what is successful? What is successful? And their level of success is different than somebody who has significant experience in it to know what is a good number. So they're saying, Hey, my ROI on this is maybe 10 bucks, 20 bucks, 50 bucks a lead that I'm bringing in. My ROI on it is from what I'm spending is let's call it 50 to make a number. Even is 50 bucks a lead, but they don't realize their ROI could be 75, hundred because that's the best they've ever seen. Exactly. Exactly. So I, I think just not having like that community of people to bounce that off of, I could see where, where that would, um, you know, where people are like, like Mike said, they're, they're trying to help, but I just feel like a lot of people don't have the context of like, you know, if you're paying more than like $10 a lead for Facebook leads, like that's, that's, that's not, that is out of spec, right? Sure. <laughs> they, they should, they should be less than that. Um, so that's just, that's just kind of some of the stuff that, that I see in, I think one of the uh, one of the biggest problems that I see is uh, is when you've got when you've got your your captive agent that is kind of be careful here, buddy. We're captive drink, agents. Drink the Kool Aid. <laughs> Reg- regurgitating the managers, yep. you know the 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 local you know the local marketing. That, happen, that happens in independent agents too, by the way. Not to the same degree. You guys, have got, you know, we, like, we've got enough, we've got enough of them coming in where, you know, you're getting an idea here, you're getting an idea there, you know, what, what you're getting in the captive environment, it, it by and large is someone that is just, you know, funneling the idea from the top downstream and, and are so disconnected from the agents, actual, uh, what they actually go through and have to do. And they're coming up with an idea from a corporate setting. I mean, Golf course scorecards. Every every single year, every single year, I put up a post in soup, sharing my ridiculously bad billboard that I had a couple of years back. That was like hidden in like the jungles of uh, of Suffolk County, like you couldn't even see it. And I, I you know, I, 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 you know, playfully talk about you know how you know so many agents, myself included, in a previous life, get talked into, uh, you know, going out and buying the billboard, and. You know, I mean, my experience with the billboard was literally zero. Like, I, I mean, I, I know that my face was on it, so that was detrimental to the cause. But there was literally not a single phone call that came in as a result of that billboard. It was a separate phone number for the number on the billboard, and the phone did not ring. Yeah. And it was a $3,000 spend. And it's funny because every single year, I, I make a post about it on the anniversary of me sharing the, uh, the, the billboard. And inevitably, there is a couple of agents in the comments that are still absolutely swearing on the ROI of the billboard that they're not receiving. Yeah, no, that is true. One of the biggest themes that I see with insurance agents, which is why I wanted to bring you guys in, because it was my problem as well. Um, I started out as a scratch agent with no no policies on the books. Brian Blair started out as a scratch agent as well. Um, and most people do start out for, I mean, it's a couple ways to get into the industry, but at some point, agents that either work with an agency at some point, depending upon the agency structure or how well they give you the opportunity to succeed and have an incredible life in that agency, at some point, I'd say the statistic is high that they're going to become an agent on their own unless their agency does a really, 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 really good job on giving them opportunity or ownership or um, having steps up in their income and other things like that um, outside of just sales. There's at some point, the statistic is pretty high that insurance producers uh, become agency owners 
admins probably not as high of a likelihood because they don't have that desire um, or CSRs. But for the most part, I'd say it'd be an easy statement. And I, I want your guys' opinion on this, that most agents eventually start their own agency. Right. Would you guys say that's a, an, a 50, like a, an easy statement to say that's relatively accurate? I, I, would, I, I would say your previous statement was more accurate that people that are in sales are more likely to go on to become agents than people on the administrative side. But I don't necessarily agree that a majority of people producing move on to go on and own an agency because you've got you've got people from all walks of life, taking that producer role for all different reasons. I mean, okay. I mean, CJ, I'm sure you can attest to just within your own agency, having a couple of people that could very well stand on their own two feet and run a, a, a hell of an agency on their own that are choosing to continue to work with and through you. Yeah. So, so, you know, I, I don't know if you guys have read the, the book, the E-Myth, but if you haven't, for all of you out there listening, like that's, that's a book that is very relevant to insurance. And I think a lot of uh, producers specifically, um, you know, that do try to go out on their own, they, they don't realize that like selling insurance is like a very small part of what it takes to run a successful agency. Sure. And while they may be very good at that part, um, you know, the other parts are just as important, if not more important in a lot of cases. Um, and they don't have that skill set. Sure. So, you know, so I feel like a lot of them, um, you know, a lot of people want to start their own agency, but they would make more money if they were like a number two somewhere and let somebody else handle that sure. admin stuff that they're just, they're just, they don't, they don't want it. They don't, they're not good at, they don't want to do it. That's not their thing. Would you say it's a fair statement to make that um, a decent amount, if not a majority of producers have some type of responsibility to generate their own leads and prospects? Would you say that's a, a, a good statement as well? Or would you disagree with that? Um. Sure. As as far as like within like within the agency, yeah, I mean they. I think all producers have that responsibility for for sure, regardless okay. of their role. Okay. Um. You know that's it. That's the definition of producer, right? True. You are generating generating business. Um. You know, but I just think that there's you know like if you start up a scratch agency and it, you know I uh, you know thankfully my agency is a family agency. I never had to, to step into that role, but I have been. And it was a two-person shop, right? It was me and my mom, right? Sure. Um, and you know, there's a lot of things that that you know happen within an agency. I, where I see, and I see this in the collective a lot as well, where you got an agency that's their first year, they crush it, right? Because the first year, the service hasn't hit, the renewals haven't hit. There's not as much stuff going on, and they just think you know the sky is the limit there. And then they hit that like million dollar in premium mark and go whoa. <laughs> you know what what is what is going on here you know now I'm, I'm taking 200 phone calls a week you know uh, service calls sure. and things like that um because i don't know i just i feel like uh there's definitely people out there they just have to understand that like there's more to it than just selling insurance sure um, there's a lot more pieces to the puzzle so in regard to lead gen i would say probably one of the biggest issues that agents feel they have maybe if it's not necessarily true in looking at their business but one of the issues they feel they have is their biggest problem is lead gen would you guys agree with that uh for sure and that is actually something that kind of caused our evolution within you know within our own brand within you know cac when we evolved uh you know career agent concepts over to the collective agency council 
the main reason that, that evolution took place was because after teaching pretty much exclusively, you know, lead gen and automation and referral partner strategies for the better part of, you know, five, you know, five, six years, you know, we started to recognize that, you know, through, through, you know, conversations with clients and all that kind of stuff that, you know, giving these people, you know, having these people that had, you know, very little to no opportunity or that were trying to preserve their marketing budget with, with better, you know, with better or, you know, better, less expensive alternatives, they were, you know, they were going from not having opportunity to being completely flooded with opportunity. And the problem changed the, the, their problem in their agency just adapted and went somewhere else. And now well, you have a new problem to solve. Well, they got a new problem to solve, but it, it becomes a very stark wake up call that, you know, oh my goodness, now that I've got the ability to do this, I've got to actually start treating this like a business and not like a hobby where I've got, you know, four to six quotes a week and I'm kind of just sitting around waiting for my friends and family to buzz me or, you know, complaining about how bad the leads are. And, uh, you know, but by the time that by the time that they, they they become that flush with the opportunity where they've got 100 200 300 at bats a week now they've gone from twiddling their thumbs to how do i how do i tackle this and it exposes a whole new not i mean a whole new set of problems to your point around you know systems processes you know culture 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 for sure and yeah. then after they're in there and this this really this really is kind of speaking directly to how my agency started when i came into the collective when i came into cac at the time i was an agent of about three years and i thought my problem was leads i had a lead problem i had a lead generating problem i couldn't have i didn't have enough people to talk to well that's then, the first problem that you have that's the first oh, problem you have first one. Yep. correct and so in generating leads you realize you get to a point where okay now after a year and a half I don't necessarily have a huge lead problem. I have a huge problem with bundling. I have a huge problem with service. I have a huge problem with retention. I have a huge problem with claim follow-up. I have a huge problem with whatever hiring, it is. Firing. Hiring. Yeah. I, have still, I still have a problem with hiring. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had a problem to fire yet because I haven't fired anybody. But, you know, it's it, you're definitely right. And so when you're looking at lead generating um, for insurance agencies, what would you say has been um maybe the top three most successful or simple ways for insurance agents to turn on that faucet of lead generation so as far as like strategies are concerned i mean obviously you you kind of referenced it earlier that the contest stuff is always that's low-hanging fruit um for for pure lead generation um, but you know, and, um, and kind of, kind of circling back to what you said a second ago, like in our agency, one of the things that, that we figured out and what we really dove into was like, you know, we didn't have a lead problem, right. We were able to generate leads. We had a closing problem, right. Sure. So that's where, you know, the automation comes in, you know, you start doing training with your producers and stuff. You can tick up, you know, your closing ratio by five, six, seven percent. It makes a big deal. That's a big difference. Um, so I wanted to make sure that we, we threw, threw that in there. But uh, what would you say, Mike, as far as pure lead generation? Like you're talking about at scale, Matt, just a, like a number of leads coming in. Yeah, like what would you say would be the easiest in for people? And, you know, giveaways for me, I agree that that is one of the easiest ways to generate leads and activities. But I also feel from personal experience, it's a hard thing. Thing to mentally 
um, to mentally say, okay, I'm going to do it. And then when I I think, I think these guys probably see that mental hurdle a lot with, I know I need whatever this solution is, but I'm afraid to put myself out there and do that thing that I and know then will fail help my it. agency and then fail. Right. Well, and then you, have you know a, that is uh, by, by and large, that is, um, that is just previous experience with swinging the bat and missing the ball and, you know, feeling like here I go again. And I know what happens when I try this, it never works out or I never commit or it's never as good as it seems or, you know, things along those lines. So, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't fault an agent for feeling that way um at all but i i would say that the the biggest hurdle when working with agents around lead gen it's uh it's it's tempering expectations uh you know for some reason you know any other any other thing that we do on uh, on the planet whether it is whether it's learning how to ride a bicycle or you know or swinging a golf club or or you know learning how to cook we, you know, we don't go out there the very first time and expect greatness. And for some reason in the lead gen world, uh, you know, agents that are learning how to do this stuff, you know, they'll, they'll run a campaign or two and they won't get the, the 75 cent to a, to a $2 lead that, you know, that, that CJ is, uh, you know, that CJ, CJ is showing, you know, in, uh, you know, in a, in a, in a support call or something like that. And it's like, well, you know, you, you literally just tried something for the very first time. You shouldn't be upset that you're not getting these kind of results yet. You should be inspired and excited that this is where the path is going to take you. Yeah, you may have been getting 12, 13, $17 leads, but previously you weren't even able to generate any leads. So now take what you've learned and double down on it and try and bring that 17 down to 14, try and bring that 14 down to 13, try and bring that 13 down to seven. And, and you know, there, there's this, uh, in my opinion, this really uh, poor, and for, for a time I, I, was a, I was definitely a guilty party in perpetuating the, you know, this movement. I, I, there's this focus on, you know, how many leads can I generate for the lowest cost? Sure. And the reality of the situation is, you know, if I am able to generate $10 leads that have a significantly higher closing rate than somebody else's for $2, not only am I going to, you know, get a, a better ROI on that, but I'm going to spend less time working those leads in the giant pile that somebody else is trying to get themselves through. Sure. So, you know, there, there is something to be said for not just, you know, the quantity of leads, but the quality of the, uh, the lead that's coming in as well. And intent uh, word is important. And, and what's what's so great about what you guys do, uh, you know, with, within Agency Elephant is you're able to take those large piles of leads and get the ones with intent to get sorted out in a fashion that doesn't include someone smiling and dialing for eight hours to find the the 12 people that are going to look to talk that day. And do you think some of one of the issues with lead gen and some of the stigmas with lead gen is that um, I have to, or if I'm going to do this and generate these leads ROI or to have a successful campaign, um, my ROI on it is going to be 20 times what I spent into that campaign to get those leads. I feel like that's also kind of a stigma agents have as well, that it will, it's not successful unless I'm 20, 30, 50 times ROI positive on this strategy. When in reality, we're in the insurance game of, of renewals. Even if you 
don't break even on that campaign and your renewals get you over that hurdle of ROI positive, most accounts renew at least once. You know, most accounts are going to renew one time. And so having a correct expectation of, um, okay, maybe this Xbox giveaway I did or PlayStation giveaway I did the first when I finished the the campaign and I finished the giveaway, maybe I was down 200 bucks and I lost 200 bucks on that campaign. Well, 90, if your renewal, your retention is in the low 90s, you're going to be ROI positive the next year. Do you think it's a, a bad expectation on that front too of what ROI means? Uh. Like on, on the example that you just gave, I'd be I'd be pretty disappointed as well. Okay, uh, that, that would be a pretty you know poorly run campaign to be down two hundred bucks on on an Xbox type of thing. I mean, it, I don't even know what they're selling for. You know, call it four hundred bucks, five hundred bucks. I think they're like seven hundred bucks. Is there, are they that much? I think so. I mean, you're you're talking you're talking about. I mean, do I mean you can go a couple different avenues, right? You can go the organic route. You can go the paid route as far as you know promotion is concerned. But, uh, you know, I mean, if you're spending, if you're spending, you know, 700 to a thousand bucks and you're not able to think, you know, not able to grind out, you know, $25,000, in premium on the low end, if not into the, if not into the six figures, I would say that's a, a pretty unsuccessful contest with regards to who you put that in front of. But, uh, when, when you were, when you were speaking ROI on leads, my, my mind was going more towards like the internet lead game and, and agents feeling, you know, you know, feeling the need to be ROI positive there right away. But uh, like around around giveaways and, and contests and stuff like that, uh, I mean, they're low cost enough and bring in enough opportunity that if you're working the leads the proper way, uh, that I mean, you really should be ROI positive on on every single one of them, in my opinion. So, do you think that hand in hand with lead gen and generating opportunities, is you've got to have solid tools and processes in in place to manage those correctly to have successful campaigns? Do you think that those two have to go hand in hand? Oh, that without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, they they absolutely absolutely have to because the amount of opportunity that you should be bringing in if you're if you're putting your prize in front of an audience that gets excited for whatever that prize is the amount of opportunity that you should be receiving should should you shouldn't have enough people in your office to be able to handle what's going on during a good contest sure okay and you know we say this on pretty much every podcast you know me and brian are obviously partners over at agency elephant uh, but we say it almost every time the best tool for your agency is the one that you use it can be a single point solution tool it can be a tool that's maybe not as good as other tools out there but we say it every single time the best tool that you can have and the best process that you can have in your agency is something whatever you're using you should be using it in your agency whatever you're paying for whatever type of platform or communication tool, whatever it is, the best thing for your agency is the one that you're going to use, regardless of what that is. And so in these type of, you know, lead generating campaigns, are there, are there ways to automate the whole process and do it all so that your cream is rising to the top? Sure, absolutely. There's definitely ways to do that. But if you're not using it, there's really no point in talking about it. If you're using a single point solution for texting, and you're manually texting these people, so you don't have to do it on your phone, that's better than freaking doing it on your phone. Right. It's not the it's not definitely what you should be doing, but any tool that you are using in your agency is only going to be valuable to it if you're using it. Of course. Absolutely. And so outside of giveaways, what what other low hanging opportunities from a lead gen standpoint would you say 
are out there for insurance agents? Because a lot of times I feel we, we get in the way of ourselves as insurance agents and we let ourselves stumble ourselves up and generating leads and opportunity. And what would you say are a couple more low hanging fruit, easy wanna, things? I'd like to talk. I'd like Mike and CJ both to talk just on like organic strategies and group strategies, because that's, that's something that I've personally never broken down that barrier, right? Like our, our last podcast with Christy, that's where she gets all of her, all of her leads comes from just organic and group strategies. Like, what would you say to the agent like me who may be skeptical about starting a group, uh, infiltrating a group, um, anything around the organic side? Cause I think a lot of, a lot of agents are curious on that. So I, I, you know, it's funny that you brought up organic because that was actually going to be my answer to Matt's question as well. Is that there's, you know, a lot of people get hung up on the, you know, around trying to, to, you know, come up with these fancy ad campaigns and things like that. But the the fact of the matter is, is that building an audience to, you know, for yourself. We, we in the insurance industry, we we, we mess up. Uh, a lot of times around the organic stuff. And just for clarity around when we're talking about organic, we're just talking about like natural market, you know, on social media, people that are your friends, people that you're in groups with, things like that. The people that do, it doesn't cost you money um, to, to be in front of them. You know, we just want to like spew insurance all over them, like all the time. And like, I don't know about you guys, but like no one cares. <laughs> about, no, we, we, are, care. we are not, we, in, a, we are yeah, not in a sexy industry at all. 100%. Like, you know, I'm not a, you know, a boutique where I'm posting pictures of all the things I have for sale, you know, like, so, so we have to, to nobody really wants what you have. No one really wants what you have. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. So like, like you, uh, to to me, to me, a really good insurance salesman is, is right up there with the best salespeople in the world because we are selling stuff that most of the people that are buying it do not even friggin' want. They don't want to spend the money. (laughs) Nobody does. So, so exactly. So, so I think, you know, as far as organic, you know, you're building an audience and a relationship, you know, Mike and I both have groups. Um, Mike, uh, what did you dub my group? The, you, at Soup Live, you, you kind of called me out from the stage, man. What, what was that you said? It is the best shit show on the internet. <laughs> oh, okay. Yes. So shout out Hip Mount Juliet for those of you that, uh, that are, uh, that are doing on there. But, uh, but yeah, what, I mean, what I love about that group is like every like 90 to 120 days, I just go in there and like, I act like I'm local and just like drop a little bomb in there and just like watch everyone squabble <laughs> over it. <laughs> Mike, Mike became a celebrity. Um, what were you, were you trying to get rid of a couch or something? I, I'm trying to remember. He became a local celebrity in a town he's never been to. Oh yeah, I found a. Uh, I found a. Uh, I went into Google and uh, I, t- I I did a search for most disgusting couch, and I found this like <laughs> it had to have been a thirty plus year fraternity couch that has seen every bodily functions of generations of of, of, of multi generations of Three the other layers kids. of DNA on it. <laughs> <laughs> Three least. different generations. At least, and uh, I put it, I put it up for sale in uh, in his group and. Woo, did it go off? <laughs> oh my God. And I don't even allow for sale posts. I literally had to had to delete Mike's post for rule violation after it, it got so out of hand. But 
he was he was quite the celebrity because he was responding to all the comments um, in there with his with his typical Mike quips. <laughs> so so for the listeners, write this down. Do not let Michael McCormick in any of your groups. One hundred percent. No, he needs to be um, immediately blocked. Immediately. <laughs> no, what? I've been blocked. dealing with that for almost search. seven years already. Uh, this is this is no different. <laughs> So tell me about groups and why having a captive audience and maybe how to nurture those correctly. There are a few different ways to get into group. There's, you know, you can start a Facebook group and find a niche to start into it, or you can go down the direction that CJ went into where there was already a group that existed. It wasn't really managed correctly. And you took over that group, correct? Yeah. Actually, it's not that it wasn't managed correctly. The guy was just like, this is overwhelming. Sure. And I was like, Hey, I like overwhelming. I'm, I'm here. I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> so, so, uh, so we, we, uh, we jumped in there. So tell us some of the, the reasons why it would be of good value for insurance agents to spend time building or cultivating a group or taking over a group and changing some of the culture of that. What, what's the value behind that? Like why, why spend my time doing it? So here's, here's why I am more in favor of owning a group than being a really cool friend inside of a group sure uh you're only a really cool friend inside of a group until someone who's running the group doesn't like you anymore okay so you can spend all the time in the world building these relationships these friendships this this you know your your reputation within within an atmosphere and you know you you, you said the wrong thing you looked the wrong way you know the person you're running out. the show just uh, you know doesn't doesn't like it anymore doesn't Someone like how are, how high you are on your horse about be, like basically running the group even though you don't yeah yeah i mean so you know someone you know someone in, in this wonderful cancel culture that we're in says that you you did something offensive and the person that runs the group doesn't doesn't want to doesn't want to offend the you know the offender and just so, talk. someone posts a couch for sale in your group yeah something something like that i mean there, there's there, there's a there's a million and one things but you know when you own the group you know you're that that's that's your little corner of the internet that that you own and you know you're you're able to do a significant amount more with it but even even from a a control element aside one of the most difficult things that it is for an insurance agent to do particularly a a small local agent is to develop a brand for themselves sure it's uh it's a it's a, a very expensive venture and to do it within your your local community uh you know, can be, can be difficult. And, you know, I mean, it, there it, it's to find a common theme that everybody in your local area just latches onto, uh, you know, not online, but in the real world, it's going to be expensive. It's going to be difficult and all that kind of stuff. If you are able to lead an ongoing conversation around literally anything that you've got a lot of enthusiasm and passion for it could be anything from you know being a being a local business owner to what's going on in your town to uh i mean like no no joke right now like you know people don't believe me when i when i tell this like when i tell them to do this kind of stuff like pop culture type stuff if you create a group around something that's like exciting and current in pop culture right now if, if you were to start a a star wars group uh, and and called it and called it Obi Wan Kenobi. You know the Obi Wan Kenobi uh, you know show on Disney Plus right now is absolutely you know blowing up. People are you know watching it in droves and they're searching that kind of stuff out online. You're able to develop this group of you know thousands and thousands of people that are all into this one thing that you are also into, 
that are going to learn over time exactly what it is that you do. This is a slow play. It's not a, it's not a fast play. This yeah. isn't quick and dirty. This is something he said that, over time. Yeah. Over this, time. Is yep. this is something that, that, you know, if you are 25 to 50 and you've got 10, 15, 20 years to go in your career, getting a large group of people into one place who come to listen to you lead the conversation on something is going to result in a tremendous amount of business. It's just something that most people aren't patient with and they say to themselves, oh, you know, this group that, you know, this group that I, that I started, I haven't gotten any business or I haven't gotten any leads and I've been doing it for three weeks or I've been doing it for two months or, or whatever. They come in from a perspective of, I need to eat now. You're, well, you're coming in from a perspective of, I need to eat now, but, uh, you know, if the only reason that you're building the group is because you want business, 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 you're missing the point. Obviously the business is going to come, but if you're, if you got ants in your pants and feel like this is something that you've got to shut down because it's not generating something for you immediately, it was never supposed to. What you're doing is you're building a, you're building the no like and trust factor with a very large group of people, no different than if you were dripping on a very large email database over time because it's growing and growing and growing. And these people know, like, and trust you more and more of them on a regular basis, raise their hand. No different than what we've done in insurance suit. Sure. No sure. different than what we've done in insurance suit. We've you know, got, a, we've got an audience of people that grow to know, like, and trust us over the time that they spend in there and come to realize, Oh, there's some stuff in here that these guys are recommending that these guys are doing that now that I've gotten to know them a little bit, I'm willing to see if it's good. And this and- goes back exactly what CJ was talking to about how much, how much more there is to running an agency versus being a producer. Like you've got to have your hands in a ton of different cookie jars, if you will, of understanding the importance of having things that are running to generate activity now, understanding the importance of running things that you're spending a lot of time in to generate activity in the future. But one thing I saw on TikTok the uh, last night, which was, I said, me and Brian were, ch- were chatting about it back and forth all evening last night was the significance and importance uh, and how much heavier of a weight is carried in branding yourself as opposed to marketing or ads or anything else you're doing in your business. Branding yourself is by far the most important thing you need to do and branding yourself in your agency and what your agency is like and the culture of that and who you are is far more important in the long run of business than generating any kind of leads now any type of it goes back to mike's billboard you know like sure mike's face was on it but you know what else was on it the cut the company that he worked for his logo and i'm willing to bet that the company that he worked for his logo was just as big as mike's face on that billboard probably bigger probably bigger you know and and that's the thing like there's a there's double digit agents in this area that work for the same company as me. What's going to make me stand out? And I think a lot of agents kind of miss that mark, you know. What See do you got guy? there? Yeah. Okay. For all the... of you that are listening on the podcast, Michael explain what this is, but he was a, walked up and grabbed. Toy. He just walked it's out. A, it's not a toy. It's a nutcracker viking. Yes, it is a it is a, uh, a nutcracker that is uh, that is done up like a uh, like a Viking, and the day before I opened my agency, uh, my father gave this to me. This is but this was sitting in this was sitting in my dad collects or collected at, at one point uh, nutcrackers, and 
he had this one, uh, you know, my entire childhood, and I always said that I liked it or whatever. And the day that I, the day before I opened my, my agency, he gave it to me as like a, you know, good luck type of thing. And, you know, when he gave it to me, he was like, he was like, funny enough, now that, you know, the day that I'm giving this to you, you, you actually kind of look like this thing, which is, uh, which is funny. I I still have blonde hair back then, but, um, and so anyway, I found a way to start incorporating this thing into my marketing. And what I was doing was I was, I would put him down on the curb uh, for every home that I would book and I would get down low and I would take a picture with, I called him Miking the Viking with, <laughs> with, with, with my, with Miking in front of a house that we had just insured. And I would run, I would run posts, uh, both both here and on Instagram asking people to guess where Miking the Viking was today. And it was just a thing that people got into. And uh, it, it wasn't anything special. It was just a little game that I played with the people that followed along, but it started getting shared, uh, you know, and, and I started doing it in the community groups and it started turning into, you know, activity and opportunity. You know, people wanted miking the viking to be outside their house like they want they wanted their house to have a picture with mike and the viking in front of it that is and so uh i've never heard that story yeah i haven't i haven't either and i've known you for a long time and i've never yeah. heard that story you know that's that's a perfect example though of uh, an organic strategy that is a long-term play that has turned into an audience building he's generating fans of miking the viking um i do something similar with life insurance you know it it it, it becomes this uh ongoing theme of the people in your audience will, will connect with you on uh and then like mike said you know it's it's just a matter of time you know you it's all about timing in insurance right you you catch them at the right time they, they happen to see your post on the same day that they got that insurance renewal finally, and, the, and they'll raise their hand. And you just have to create the relationships to um, let, give them that opportunity to raise that hand. And you, used and, to do you, you know how that, that Mike and the Viking idea even started? It was, a, it was like, a, like, I didn't do it right out the gates. It was like, uh, it was like two months into agency. I had, this, uh, I, I had these two employees that, uh, that I had that started with me. And we were just joking around about it because, like, like, I, like, uh, I would, I would, I would like talk to them through the Viking. <laughs> you sound you know, like a great manager <laughs> because it's a, because it's 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 annoying to be told what to do by the uh, by the Nutcracker, and uh, and so it just became it started becoming a joke like uh, like he should go he should go out on the uh, he should go out on the sales calls, and it just turned into like you know. Let's just do it. And and like in the very beginning, the only people that commented on it was like the new client and my employees. Yeah. And by like the fourth or fifth one, like now there was some now there was like some back and forth on it. And then it was getting shared. And it, it was like I, I wouldn't say it was like crazy viral, but like within your local second- community, people saw it. Yeah, for sure. And every every second or third time we did it, we would get a we would get a lead or two, and you know it, it wasn't it wasn't a guaranteed home run, but it was building. You yeah. know. And CJ did something relatively similar to that, and which kind of lit up like wildfire in insurance soup. I, I don't know if it was a year back. CJ, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, you used to post, or you still do. I just haven't seen them recently. You used to post when you'd insure like uh, you'd insure a home or a truck or a, a boat or whatever it was you were insuring. You'd throw up your insured by Hudson Pillar Insurance like cool little logo over the house like in the corner and it looked really appealing and it kind of went off like wildfire insurance soup and people started doing this as well. 
um, and explain why did you start doing that? Where did you get the idea and how did that affect or what type of response did you get from those types of little things? Yeah. So like, I'm always trying to think like when anything that I, I put out there, my mindset is always, how can I remind people that I do insurance without talking about insurance? Right. We got, we talked about that earlier. Like, you know, that it's, it's awful to talk about insurance. Nobody, nobody cares about that. Right. You see so people's eyes glaze like, over you know, when you're at a party and they're like, what do you do for work? And you're like, oh, I, I own an insurance agency and their eyes just freaking glaze. And they're like, oh, yeah, cool. Anyway, <laughs> right? Don't like, sell you know, me. Like, oh, cool. Yeah, anywho, we're going to talk about this other that happened. Thing. That happened to me with girls before I started selling insurance, though. <laughs> so it didn't change. It didn't change. Nothing changed. No, it's the same, same thing. It happens. So, so they, they had, the idea was, you know, like, I need a couple things. One thing that I think a lot of agents really miss on, especially on the organic stuff, is just content generation in general right? Like you have to, like, if you put two Facebook posts up a week and you go, oh, this doesn't work. Yeah, no doubt. It doesn't work because nobody's seen it, right? Yeah. Um, you have to understand how these algorithms work, how, you know, you know, you've got to have content. You have to have people engaging with content. You have to engage back with people, which I've always think is funny. Like, you know, Mike was talking about just a second ago, like engaging with people in the comments. That is where the money is made in the comments. I see a lot of agents, like somebody comments on their post and they just don't say anything. And I just want to be like, you do realize that somebody like took time out of their day to take the time to think of something and go on your post and write it out. And then you didn't even respond to their comment. It's like literally like they walked up to you and said, hi, and you turned around and walked away. <laughs> like it's, it's rude. You just right? big so like, if you if you want to, if you want to build these relationships, like, like that's part of it. So um, it all stemmed from creating content, right? So like, how can I have like consistently cool content to put out? Um, we insure a lot of really neat houses. Um, okay, cool. Let's take the pictures of the houses. We'll put us a little stamp in the corner that says we just insured this house and we posted it. And then we get good feedback with that because people like looking at houses. And you so, just purchased a couple of days ago. You just got these pretty cool little t-shirts, little, uh, pretty cool little, um, yeah. weekend shirts, if you will, some tank tops for all boats these and HO threes, boats and, boats and HO threes. It kind of looks like it says boats and hose. Um, yeah. and it says an autos too, or something under there in small writing. It's a yeah. fun little way to keep in front of them. You know, that they're like, well, you spelt hose wrong. And you're like, no, it's HO threes. It's an insurance thing, you know? Um, it's I always another... act shocked when they say hose. Like, what? How dare no. you think I put that on? No, myself? it doesn't say that. It's threes. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? Where's your mind at? No, Where's it's, your mind? Uh, right, right. Yeah, no, it's it's a really great uh, way of branding yourself. You know, the fun, the enjoyment, and all the other parts about the business that the business does not have. That is branding yourself and your agency to be fun, you know, enjoyable to work with. Nobody likes calling their insurance agent because typically when they're calling you, it's about rate or money or problems. And so to create a little bit more culture and fun in your agency and using that as your um, as your ice content yeah. or icebreakers is a great way to stay in front of people. Um, what other things did you have that you wanted to go over, Brian, specifically about lead gen with all these guys? Um, maybe some advice, some advice for insurance agents that are sitting there who feel, um, I don't get enough at bats. I feel like my agency is failing. I'm not, I'm not producing enough. I'm not, um, because we all know the statistics and in two years of being an agent, how many people fail as being an insurance agent. And typically it's because of lead generating problems and, you know, you can, 
you could only last so long in an agency without writing business, no matter how many long plays you're doing, how many successful groups you're trying to build, how much you're trying to brand yourself. Those are all very long strategies. You've got to stay in business now if you're opening an agency. And for all those agents that are on the call that feel that way of or that are listening to the podcast feeling all of this is great. I agree with groups. I agree with content. I agree in all those things, but I need I need to eat this month. I need to pay bills this month. I need to keep my agency open this month. What would you say would be one of the outside of contests be those because those take a little bit of time and a little bit of effort, a little bit of money. Sometimes maybe they don't have it to because you've got to have a good a good draw. And most people don't realize usually it's you don't have to go out and buy, you know, Blackstone or Yeti Cooler and Xbox to have a successful giveaway. There's tons of other cheap ones with, you know, candy contests and other things like that you can do. But outside of those, what would you say for the agent that needs to pay their office rent this month? What one thing can they do to try and generate activity? Um, what would you say that would be? Um, I'll jump in first one on this one. So me, it, it, this is a, this is going to be groundbreaking advice here, Matt. Like you, you need to, I'm getting ready to like implement this in. the second I get off the call. So I'm hoping it's good. Cause I need to pay my rent this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so it is good. Um, ask people, right. It, it's, it's one of the, one of these things that like, I, I posted this meme the other day in insurance soup and it was kind of like, it was a person that was like, Hey, pick up the call phone and call this person. And then the person responded, I texted them. No, pick up the phone and call them. You know, I left them a voicemail and then pick up the phone and call them. I sent them another text. And it's like we in the insurance space, like um, there's so many of us that like we want to dodge the one thing that we're actually doing. It's just asking for business, asking for a referral, asking business. I, I, refer, I swear I reference this story every time me and Mike are on camera together. But we were in Denver at the uh, One City World Tour. He's, he's laughing now because he knows exactly what I'm about to say. There were two lenders there on a panel. Both of these lenders uh, did over a billion dollars a year in real estate transactions, B, billion, with a big fat capital B. Totally not that much money. No, it's not that much. So like, man, whatever. But they got to talking about insurance and the guys were like, hey, you know, we're just curious, like how many times a day do you guys get called on by insurance agents? Because I'm sure, you know, y'all are Hundreds. big target. But you know, y'all y'all are great. Like I'm sure you get get calls all the time, and they they both kind of looked at each other and they're like, "We we never get called. What do you mean? Why would we get called?" And they were almost almost confused by it. And they dug a little deeper into it, and these these guys were nobody was asking. They were like, "We would send referrals to somebody, but nobody ever asked." This is these two guys that are just a good example. They do enough business to like one of them by themselves is a, if you landed one of those guys that they sent you half of the business that they're doing, you'd never need another lead. They're doing you hundreds never need and lead. hundreds and hundreds of transactions a year. 100%. And, and if nobody you're writing, asked. if you're writing 500 homes a year <laughs> off of this one agent, do you think your agency would be successful just from this one person? And what do they right. tell you, CJ? Because I've heard this story too, and it's freaking good. Which part? What, what, I mean, what at the end of it? What did, when you were chatting with the lender? What did you ask? Yeah, I asked him. Uh, well, I've, I've had, I had a couple of conversations with him. I actually, uh, I ended up connected with him on uh, LinkedIn. I'm about to open up an agency there. That's uh, that's what CJ's about to do. Because you but, did what? <laughs> because you did what? I asked. Bingo. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I asked the question. So anyway, I just I think uh, and that was a joke. I'm not opening an agency there. I, I don't. Uh, I'm not that cool. But anyway, the, but then but to take that a step further, we had insurance soup live, right? And soup live. There was a panel, mortgage lender, real estate agent. What did they say? Same exact thing. Same exact thing. And and I hear that over over and over and over and over again. And the fact of the matter is, is like we as agents are so scared of somebody saying no that we don't ask. And I'm gonna hit hit y'all with my my favorite quote of the in the in the world. And it actually I wanted to say it earlier when Matt was kind of nudging around it. Imperfect action beats perfect inaction every time. That is every the time. signature on my emails. Is it? I I've never actually received a response email from you. So I'll yeah, I, you sure. have you have I didn't know you actually read that. Of I, I have you going email. directly to spam. So. <laughs> okay, well, I don't blame you. That's probably where I. It's for the couch do. problem. <laughs> you deleted his post. No, I mean you're absolutely right. You can have a hundred tools in place. You can have your automation dialed. You can be. You can have so many processes and systems in place in your agency that are handling all your things successfully. But one of the things me and Brian say that automation will never do is it will never replace you of your job and what you need to do. You still have to call on your quotes. You still have to pick up the phone and call and talk to people. You still have to do your job. And even with automation, you still have to ask. You still have to pick up that phone. You're absolutely right. So what you're saying to do for that agent that is sitting in their office that is, you know, needing to drum up business, needing to drum up referral partners, needing to eat and pay their bills and thinking about their family, what they need to do is go out and just start asking as many people as they can physically ask. Absolutely. I'm going I'm to give you guys an example. Producer that I had once upon a time, this has been, been many, many years ago. Um, when when they were slow, like when they they had they were had a slower time, they would literally spend an entire afternoon and just go call on mortgage offices. Now this, that was their thing. They 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 went with mortgage offices, and one hundred percent of the time that they did that, they came back with quotes to do from you know just hey I ran into this person and they because they were taking the time to go and ask for the referral. And that's all it takes. And all, we just, a lot of us just don't do it. Activity always breeds activity. It's, okay. I feel like it should be a law, a Newton law, but it's not. But activity will always breed activity. And what I've found is even the activity you're doing, if you're picking up the phone and calling all these lenders, yes, you're probably going to get quoting activity from there. But I found it's a very unique law of nature that if you are doing activity, it will start to create activity in areas that you aren't even trying to generate activity from. I don't know why it happens, but it always has happened to me. When I start doing activity in one thing, other activity things start turning on. I don't know why. I can't explain it, but I've always found that activity generates activity, not just in the thing you're trying to generate it in, but in other areas. Um, Mike, what would you say to that one agent that's what one tip or trick or advice would you have for that agent? And it can't be asked that has already been stated by CJ. What would that one tip or trick be to that agent that needs to keep their business open this week or month? What kind of budget are we playing with? <laughs> I mean, call it a Apparently no, no money. Say they don't have much money. Say they, they've got 50 bucks, 100 bucks at hand that they're willing to say, hey, I'm not going to get my Starbucks for the next few weeks or I'm not going to, you know, go out and splurge on going out to the bar with my friends or wife this weekend or whatever it is. Say they got 100 bucks. Step one would be taking CEO of the Brian Blair agency out of your Facebook. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's funny that you're, that you're, that you're even going that route. I would probably, I would probably lean into organic social media. Uh, you know, I know that's a, you know, kind of a, a bold thing to say, given that a, a lot of agents for whatever reason, don't really 
do organic social media well. So it's easy for me to say because it comes natural to me. What do you mean by um, that when you're meaning organic social media to the user that just, to the just work just work in your your social media, you know, uh, you know, having conversations with people, you know, posting stuff to to generate to generate some engagement and 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 you know all you know all that kind of stuff. Telling stories. You know, one of the you know, I haven't told this story in a while, but you know, one of the one of the most successful lead gen campaigns, and it wasn't even meant to be a campaign, was just me sharing a story, uh, a, an actual, real heartwarming story that took place in my, in my agency that I shared in a local community group that resulted in like north of a hundred leads in a, like less than twelve hours, just like with a with a with a story that I shared. I had a, a woman that came into my office with her with her young daughter. And they had been to a number of different offices. I don't know why they were going from office to office, but these people were going to insurance agencies trying to get a policy and they were getting turned down everywhere. They had already been to three or four different places. Woman sat down at my, at my desk and basically told me before I even started the quote that I already know that you're not going to be able to help me. And as luck would have it, not only was I able to help the woman, but I was able to save her about $120 a month and like this woman's, this woman's situation was just an absolute mess. I, I like the fact that she even qualified for anything blew me away, but here we were. And the woman started getting all choked up at my desk and turns to her young daughter and says, we're going to be able to get you the dancing lessons now or the ballet lessons or whatever it was. And the girl like lit up and like, it was a, it was a real moment, you know, it was a, like, this was a, a family that was obviously financially strapped that had been run through the ringer trying to find insurance uh that were that they were getting dropped uh, not only was i able to to bring them over i was able to save them money and it resulted in something you know pretty uh, emotional for you know the mother and the daughter there and i shared that story in a local community group and i mean like to the ton, ton, all the local moms all the local moms and, you know, to be honest with you, I mean, we don't think about it a ton, but statistically, I think the statistic out there is 85% of our population doesn't have more than 500 bucks in their savings account. I think it's a little higher than that, but I'm going to go with the 85% number. Pretty sure it's higher, but if... And we don't get the fee the good feelings a whole lot in insurance. We don't get the feel goods when we save people money a whole lot. We don't get the, we don't feel like we're doing something that's worthwhile or feel like we're making an impact in families. But to be completely honest with you, um, let's call it three and a half years ago, for me personally, saving a hundred bucks a month was a big freaking deal. Was a sure. big deal. Like three and a half years ago, saving a hundred bucks a month we could go out to dinner. Me and my wife could go out on a date night, which was something we couldn't do three, four years ago. You know, having the ability to save a family that, um, especially right now in our times where gas is so expensive, groceries are so expensive. And if you're living on a fixed income and a fixed salary and whatnot, your expenses are going through the roof and saving somebody a little bit of money every month makes a big deal to most families. And I well, think and we I forget that. I think the hard takeaway on what Mike just said, though, was I could almost guarantee at the end of that post, he didn't say, and if you'd like a quote, call me at this number, you know what I mean? Like, yep. and I feel like oh. a lot of agents, like they want to, they want to turn it and really like get it to this like marketing thing at the end. 
and I can, again, I've never seen this post, but I bet Mike simply told the story and left it at that. That's all it was. That's all it was. I started the post saying something like, you know, feel good moment that I wanted, that I wanted to share with everyone in here. And I just told the story and the comment section lit up like a Christmas tree. And it wasn't even the intent. It was truly just like me sharing a moment that made me feel really good about what I did my, in, in my career with a, with a local, with a local community that I had a bunch of people that I would engage and interact with. Like, I mean, I like. I mean, I, I wasn't dumb. You know, I mean, I, I knew that it was going to have a, a positive net effect, but like, sure. uh, like I wasn't going into this going, oh, this is going to get me a lot of leads. It was just like, this is this is going to be good for branding, good for you know a little bit of exposure, nice feel good story, uh, you know that type of stuff. But it, it absolutely erupted. People so, like that feel good stuff. Yeah, you know? for sure. And I would even go as far as saying now, with the current state of the economy and rising prices on everything, like now more than ever. I, I would say it's if you've got those feel good stories, um, you know, post them up, share Dude, them. What, what, what I, you know, what the underlying to that, Mike, is you're being authentic. Oh, That's sure. the, so, so I, that has a lot to, you know, there's a lot of people that we try to pretend to be things that we're not, you know, on social media, like fit in this, in this box. And you, you're being authentic. I'm sure you, ha- you have a daughter. I'm sure that met that message pulled at your, your heartstrings more than, you know, somebody that maybe didn't have kids or whatever. Um, but you were being authentic and that's the reason that it hit as hard as it did. Yeah. And, and it was, it was told as a story and not as a, um, not as a, you know, I, I just saved this woman $120. Who's next? Right. You yeah. Know? Uh, which yeah. is like one of the most rampant type of posts that, uh, that I see from, from newer agents in particular, but you know, the, the whole idea of, Hey, I just saved a faceless stranger to you an arbitrary amount of number uh, amount of money that may or may not make an impact in your life. Yeah. It's like nameless, faceless, intangible. And you know, just that rampant cookie cutter, spam that you see you know newer less experienced agents throw out there yeah what would you what would you say to the agent though that says like you know mike i've i've been connected on social media with you and this is honestly i tell you this all the time like you are very good possibly great at storytelling what advice would you give an agent that says you know like i don't know how to get my content to where it needs to be i can just say hey i saved this person who's next tell the story like there there was a story there right that person sat down with you and you guys had a conversation and that conversation exposed some things that conversation like had some emotion involved most likely i mean you know like there's 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 more there to it than simply i saved this guy a hundred dollars a month and if the the only story that you've got that guy or that gal is i saved that person a hundred dollars a month don't tell that story Right. Tell, yeah. tell the, tell the, tell the stories. You don't have to make, you don't have to make anything up. Not every sale has got this like, you know, warm and fuzziness to it that is going to, you know, make it make people in your, in your ecosystem, you know, kind of light up or anything like that. Yeah. But yeah. you know, you're, you're gonna, you know, so, some, some people are, it's just a transaction, no matter how hard you try and get them to open up and, and Hey, let's talk about the whole situation and your family. And, you know, some, yeah. some people just won't let you in like that, but the, the ones that do, or, you know, the ones where there was 
a you know a, a significant impact that was tangible and, and palpable and and there in the conversation and if you're if you're doing this for the right reasons you should be uncovering those yeah those you know stories. one story i think people miss a lot because we just don't think about it and i i really didn't think about it until yesterday until i ran into it um we hopefully you work with lenders or realtors. Hopefully you have some people you're trying to network with and get business from them. Um, I didn't really think about it till yesterday. I was working on this policy with a client. Their their DTI numbers were really close. They they weren't getting into like a starter home. They were getting into like a dream home of theirs. Right? It was like a one point eight million dollar home. It was huge. It was a dream home for them. That, that's like a, that's like a seven hundred square yeah, foot. It was it was about four hundred square feet. It was about four hundred <laughs> yeah. square. No, it was like a thirty six hundred square foot home, six bedroom house, beautiful home in the mountains in the Santa Cruz area, beautiful home was a dream home for them. And because of fire, fire insurance in California can be a mess. The insurance was well over what the mortgage rep was expecting it to be well over. We're talking 1400 bucks a month for insurance on this property. And it was putting their DTI numbers super, super close to being outside of what they qualified for. And these people weren't, you know, struggling from like an income standpoint or anything like this. This was a feel for them. They, they, it was their dream house they were looking for. They're looking at their dream property, their dream home. And I never do after hour calls ever, but for some reason with this client, I, I, I make that a hard stop in my business. Now, previously I did after hours, I do 9 PM calls all the time, starting my agency, but now office hours are office hours. But with this client, particularly it was a referral, um, from a realtor and I was talking to him and I could hear on his voice that, you know, the wind was let out of his sails, right? Like this was a dream home. They'd just gotten into contract and, I feel you have that opportunity on almost every deal that you're working with a lender on that we miss out on. Your insurance does carry weight in getting them in the home every time. Their DTI typically isn't going to be like super close, but you can find that feel good and you can find that story out of most of your mortgage closes that you're dealing with because one of the things people don't really expect is when they get into that, that they get that offer accepted, they're in the contract, everything looks like it's going to qualify, but their insurance comes back a little bit different or you meet the mark of their DTI and it's a feel good, like guys, we've, okay, we're good. Like there's other hurdles you've got to get through, but this is something that sometimes hangs people up on getting into a home. And for me, when I got, I got on the phone with him and his wife later in the evening that night after 7 PM, when my kids were in bed, we went over the whole thing. We started getting really creative, you know, manipulating deductibles and doing all adding discounts and getting really creative. And I could feel their hope was starting to come back that they were going to get their dream house. And that was, and then you crushed them. And then I crushed them. <laughs> no, you know, it was, it was a feel good moment that I think agents, insurance agents forget about as part of a loan process. You're, you're trying to get these people into their first home or their second home. And they're trying to upgrade from their first home to second home. And, you know, people are typically pretty close on their DTI numbers when they're purchasing properties. And you do have the ability to carry some of that feel good moment out of every single even refinances, like if somebody's refinancing a home, they're trying to do that because their rate's going to be better. They're taking cash out to do something fun or to build something or to put back into the home or they're trying to drop their rate to save money. Even that in and of itself can be a feel good money. Like, guys, we freaking did it. Like you're going to save 800 bucks a year on your on your mortgage or whatever it is. You're taking this cash out to get the bathroom of your dreams. Like we freaking did it like this. You can take that feel good story moment out of almost every lender close if you look for it. Yeah. Well, I, I, it goes beyond just the lender close. I think, you know, 
one of the things that a lot of us in this industry kind of forego at this point. I don't know if it's just because, you know, it's laziness or it's you want to be moving on to the next one, which is the complete opposite of laziness. But there is a, uh, a lack of focus around, you know, building the relationship and, and, and the rapport and the chemistry with the customer in a lot of cases, a lot of agencies are treating these very, you know, these conversations, very transactional. And when you're not actually getting to know your customer, uh, you know, you, you're going to miss out on those stories when you're just, you know, when, when you're calling someone up, Hey, you requested a quote. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? Okay. Well, you know, you know, how many miles are on it? Okay. Yeah. okay I'll call you back in 10 minutes. And they're, you're not connecting with them. You're not finding out anything you know, you're, you're leaving the story on the table and, and that story that you're leaving on the table is, is the setup for your next sale. If you're, if it's a good story. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, you know, what, what, are, what's the number one thing that pretty much everyone on this planet likes to talk about the most themselves. It's true. You know, whether it's their family, their career, you know, something about themselves, you know, all that kind of stuff, you know, people love to talk about themselves and uh, you know, Every single conversation that we have with a prospect is an opportunity to get that story out if you're willing to build a little bit of chemistry and rapport. Yeah, I agree. Love it. Awesome, guys. Well, we, we went past our hour. We by, did. Uh, we went by past our hour. about 15 minutes. Yeah, I know. We all have stuff and other things to do. So we really appreciate your time. We do appreciate all the stuff you guys do for insurance agents. I feel that that is the most value I've ever gotten out of this industry is helping insurance agents have successful agencies incredible value so we do appreciate your time and all the stuff you guys do and we look forward to our podcast about chatbots coming up cj at some point Scary. Ooh, bots. Ooh, bots. <laughs> all right guys, hey guys we... if you're if you're listening do us a favor uh if you got some value out of this share it with another agent share this podcast uh the value given here is uh is only going to get better and better as we keep going so if you got something out of this don't be afraid to share this with someone in the industry. We appreciate it. It's the Brian and Matt show. Matt's got a mullet. Brian's got a big ass beard. You can pull it. It's the Brian and Matt show. With all things insurance and random tomfoolery. The Brian and Matt show.